the, the, this morning sermon, I, I was talked to Andrew a few weeks ago when he asked me to do the sermon, and I thought, hmm, what am I talking on? I have no idea where he'll be up to by the time I get to do it. And then the day before I met with him, he said, well, have you had any thoughts? And I said, nope. Next morning, I was reading the Bible. I thought, well, I better at least read Acts. I'll read where I think he's up to, might be up to. And I started to read. And when I'd finished, I said to God, well, have you got anything to say to me about this? And he said, yes, you've got a few problems in this area. And I said, oh. And I said, I was asking you about what I was going to preach on. And he said, hmm, you've got a few problems. And I thought about it and I thought, well, maybe I'm not the only one. So this might pertain to you and it might not. So the sermon's entitled, oh, you've got it. Oh. Oh. So the sermon's entitled, Great Expectations or... Oh, that's not very easy to read, is it? I won't do that colour again. What I want to say is every relationship in... It's gone. It's okay. Every relationship involves expectations. You have expectations and so do they. Now, if you've got your Bibles, which will be great if you have, because then you'll be able to see what we're reading, turn to Acts 15, 4 to 11. And it's talking about the early church and how they dealt with expectations. Don't tell me I've gone. Now I've gone. Now I'm in big trouble. Okay. It's a pity because there was a few things on there that I haven't got notes on. Never mind. Everybody open up to Acts 15. What did I say? 4 to 11, I think it was. Oh, I'm back. This is going to be an interesting morning, isn't it? Okay. Acts 15, verses 4 to 11. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Paul and Barnabas were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders. They reported on what God had been doing through their ministry. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of Pharisees stood up and insisted, the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach the gen to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? 
We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. So the early church had a problem. The Jewish Christians, they had grown up with all these laws and the law of circumcision had started, God had given it to Moses, Moses had given it to the people and they all believed in it and it had it happen. But now they're looking at these Christian um, people and they're saying, but what Gentile Christians, what about them? Why shouldn't they follow this law? Why shouldn't they have it done? And of course the Gentile Christians are probably backing back and saying, um, don't think so, don't really want that. And it could have caused a great division in the church the Jewish Christians ex were putting this expectation on them that they would follow their Jewish rules. But as Peter had said in that, what we were reading, that we are saved the same way by undeserved grace. So, church is left with this problem. What are we going to do? And I could see that, yeah, there could be problems. So then we turn on to Acts 15. We, they left this discussion then. They just said, that's the end of that. But then a short time later, they did come back to it. So let's go to Acts 15, verses 24 to 29. It says, we understand that some men from here have troubled you. Oh, wait a minute, this is a letter. They'd met together talked about it and then they are sent back some emissaries with, with the, uh, Paul and Barnabas with this beautiful letter and it says, we understand that some men from here have troubled you and upset you with their teaching but they had no such instructions from us. So it seemed good to us having unanimously agreed on our decision to send you these official representatives, along with our beloved Paul and Barnabas, who have risked their lives for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are sending Judas and Silas to tell you what we have decided about this question. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to know, lay no greater burden on you than these requirements. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or eating the meat of strangled animals and from sexual immorality. If you will do this, you will do well. I think that's such a beautiful letter. It's gracious. It addresses the problem right at the beginning and saying, look, we're sorry you've been upset. Um, you don't need to go with this. But then he does give them some rules and you must remember when they were living, the Roman Empire at that stage was totally immoral. The people worshipped many gods. There were sacrifices that were not good. So these rules were good for them. And I thought also, this letter goes back to the church there and by asking them to hold on to these rules, much as it helps the Gentile Christians, it's also going to appease the Jewish Christians for a bit because they're having to hang on to some of those rules. So I could just see, I thought it was a beautiful letter to send from the church. They met together, 
they discussed it. They obviously prayed because they said, along with the Holy Spirit, we think you should do this. But that's how the church acted. But what I want to talk about now is our expectations that we place on others. How do we deal with the expectations of others on us? How do they deal with the expectations that we put onto them? And we all do it. Whether we realise that we're doing it or not, we all do it. And how we manage these expectations will largely determine the character and quality of our relationship. Your relationships can be really bonded together or they can be stripped apart by what you expect of others. So there can be good expectations. Of course, like I have an expectation of God. I expect when I die I'm going to be with my father in heaven. Great expectation. And what about an expectation? It's encouraging a person to be the best they can possibly be, assisting them, confirming them when possible. That's a fantastic expectation. Not putting your expectation on them, but looking out for their good, their very best. I want to tell you a little story. There was this, that I read, there was this young boy about 11 and he had a reputation for stealing. And one day this older lady saw him climb her fence over the, over the fence, up the tree and take some peaches and she just watched. Next morning, next day, comes in, and I mean, okay, taking a couple of peaches is, is an okay, but well, I think it is. Anyway, over the fence again and she runs out and she says to him, I'm so glad you've come back. Look, I've got this basket of peaches. Would you mind taking it round to the lady round the next street? And the top two, they're the biggest. They're for you. You have them. So, and the boy did this. He took the peaches. He brought the basket back. Now, over the weeks and months, the lady kept meeting up with this boy and just asking him to do little jobs for her. Just little jobs. Sometimes she gave him something for it and sometimes she didn't. And this went on for months and even years. And slowly she trusted that boy with more and more until that reputation the boy had had, everybody forgot it. This was an honest young man and he grew to be an honest adult because one lady had treated him as what he could be. She didn't rant and rave and say, you shouldn't do that or you should do this, but she treated him with love and respect. And that's a great expectation if we can do that to encourage people. got here, if we treat people as if they were what they ought to be, we help them to become what they are capable of becoming. But we often put expectations on each other that are not realistic, not based on who the person is and can be based on our own neediness. I want to tell you again a story from my own life. Many of you know Jenny Furness. And one day she said to me, 
Deirdre, I can't do this. Oh, what can't you do? She said, I can't live up to your expectations. I just can't do it. You've got me up here. You expect me to be perfect. You expect me to know everything. You expect me not to do anything wrong. I can't do it. And I think I stood there with my mouth open, thinking, what is she talking about? I had never verbally said anything to her. But obviously, somehow, I had portrayed in my manner, attitude, something that I expected this of her. And she was very wise to say to me, I can't do it. Take me off the pedestal before I fall. And then there are times when let's, let's think of a few scenarios we can have of expectations. Got a husband and wife, and I'm certainly not thinking of anyone here. I was trying to make up something that would probably very, be very generic. Um, husband's been in the bathroom, goes out to have brekkie. Wife comes in, looks on the basin. There's the tube of toothpaste. Toothpaste oozing out, toothbrush over there. She says, okay, pops it all in the cupboard, puts it away, goes out and has breakfast with him. Next morning, same scenario, she comes in, toothpaste there, a bit more toothpaste out on the basin, <laughs> puts it in the cupboard, slams the door shut. <clears throat> Next morning, same story. It's there again, puts it in the cupboard, slams the cupboard door shut and doesn't say anything. Next morning, comes out. There's the toothpaste on the sink. No lid on it. Toothbrush is even on the floor this time. Puts it away, slams the door, slams the bathroom door, roasts into the kitchen and says to her husband, how dare you do this? How dare you leave these things lying around? How dare you? Husband, who in the middle of breakfast sits... Huh? What are you talking about? Not once had she expressed that expectation of him putting the toothpaste, the lid on the toothpaste, picking up his toothbrush and the toothpaste and putting it away. If we don't express our frustrations or our expectations, we're going to blow up, just like she did. It's just doesn't work. And then, of course, what about the dad who loves football? He's always loved football. In his prime, he was a great footballer. And his son, he says, come on, son, let's go and kick that football. You're going to be the best footballer ever. And the son says, Dad, I don't really like football much. Ah, oh, come on, get over it. Come on, get that football. You can do it. You can really do it. I know you're going to be. You're going to be in my team. But, Dad, I don't like football. Oh, get over it. Come on, let's go. The boy, the father expressed his expectations. The boy said what he thought. But Dad didn't listen. You're getting the gist of this? We put expectations on others. What about if you're an early person, you get up really early, you go to bed reasonably early, 
and your friend gets up really late and likes to go to bed really late. Should you expect them to get up early? Should they expect you to stay up late? Are you going to look at them and say, oh, you can't sleep until that hour. You've got to get up. You've got to get up. The day You've lost half the day. You shouldn't be doing that. That's just a little thing, but it can still get to you. It can still affect you. That's probably enough examples of that one. But we need, we really need to talk to one another. Oh, I've got to tell you this one. This is one I read. In Mexico, H is the word for a laudo, and it means cold. C means caliente, and that means hot. And on this big label, it says, if you miss the signs because of your assumptions and expectations, you will get burned. You can just imagine him, if you're in Mexico in the bathroom, you don't know what these hot H and C mean, you are going to get burned. And that's the same in everything in life. If we expect something but we don't understand, if we place other expectations onto others, we're going to get burned. Now, this I didn't write. I, I got this saying too. When expectations are mismanaged, negative emotions emerge. When expectations are assumed, never expressed, when imposed, never negotiated, when they are ignored or unrealistic, there is trouble. As I said, this is what God was pointing out to me. You've got a problem with this woman. You've, you've got a problem. You expect. You expect. I can remember one time with my oldest son. He was in year 12. And he'd be sitting playing on the computer with his brother. And I'd be saying, would you please just go and do your homework? Do your assignments. Study. Would you please? And this went on after night after night. Anyway, one day he turned around and he said, Mum, Year 12 is as important to me as to you. I want to go to uni. I am studying. I am doing my assignments. You don't see me doing. You, you go to bed earlier than I do. I am doing the work. Trust me. Now, I think that was great from a 17-year-old to turn around and say that to me. Do you know, when he said that to me, it was like a great burden fell off me. I didn't have to be raging at him anymore. He was doing his work, and he did. He proved to me, he got through to uni, he did his work. But I'd just been carrying on, I hadn't even talked with him about it. Wouldn't it have been nice if I'd said, look, can we just sit down and talk about your assignments and your studying and all, are you doing it, or, or what's going on? Instead, I ranted and raved for a week, a week or more, you know, and he, he, but he's a very quiet boy, the oldest one, and he just put up with the ranting and raving and did, went his own way. That's how he always used to manage me, was yes, mum, and do his own thing, but, which did drive me crazy. But that's how he managed me. My children learnt very early how to manage me. 
So unrealistic expectations can lead to anger, anger in ourself, because those expectations we've put on someone else, they're not doing it, they're not living up to my expectations. Anger in them, that we're requiring this of them. It can cause anxiety, worry, again, in both parties. It can cause sadness because anger quite often leads to sadness. And then also, if you were expecting too much of a child or something, failure. They feel shame from the failure. So it's really important right from the beginning to start talking. Now, I want to talk now about how did Jesus deal with other people's expectations? What did he do? I'm going to go to Luke, if you're looking at your Bible, Luke 19, 11. The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said and because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. So the people are expecting him to come in and the kingdom of God will be coming and he's told us a story to correct that impression. But they didn't hear. Because look at this next little bit. John 12, 12 to 19. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A huge crowd of Passover visitors took branches, palm branches, and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, Praise God! Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hail to the King of Israel! Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfilment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realised that these things had been written about him. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. They expected Jesus to come. They knew he was coming as a saviour. They were expecting him to come to overthrow the Roman Empire. He would be king. The Israelites, they'd have their land to themselves again. They would rule themselves. This is what they're expecting. And Jesus rode in on a donkey and that was always a sign of peace if a king rode in on a donkey. If he'd ridden on a, in on a horse, it was war. But on a donkey, it was peace. But again, the people didn't see. So only a little time later, they're calling out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, all the crowd. He hadn't met their expectations. He knew what the expectations were. And he hadn't met them. So they were ready to kill him. How did Jesus respond? What did he do? If he'd done what they wanted, do you realise not one of us would be here today, not one of us would be in God's kingdom. 
not one of us would have him as our father because we'd still have that great gulf of sin between us. But Jesus responded in love. Remember, he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. He could have been really upset and said, I'm not dying for that lot. Instead, he responded in grace and love and mercy and went to the cross and died for us. He gave himself in response to that expectation that people had put on him. So how are we going to respond to the expectations that are put on us? How are we going to respond? Can we respond with grace and love? Or are we still going to respond to anger? When someone irritates us because they're not doing things the way we think they should, are we going to think and say nothing? Are we going to talk to that person? Are we going to say, you have to do this? What are we going to do? First thing I think is pray before you open your big mouth. This is for me. Pray. It doesn't have to be long. Lord, should I say something or is this something I just want to say? Quite often you'll hear the still small voice saying, be quiet. I don't know how many times I've heard that voice. Be quiet. I do have foot in mouth. <laughs> Just be quiet. But other times you'll hear the Holy Spirit say, well, yeah, you need to deal with this. You're angry. You do need to deal with this. So how are you going to do it? The disciples... I mean, the early church actually wrote that letter because they needed to. They needed to go back to tell the person. And sometimes it helps us to sit down and write out the problem and write out how we're feeling and then writing out what a good response might be. Other times it's just good to, to say to the person, hey, hang on a minute, just, just stop. Let's talk about this. You're expecting me to, to, to be here early every Sunday morning and do this. I can't do that. I just can't do that. I've got children at home. I've got, you know, these different jobs. I've got an elderly mother to look after. I can't do that. Can we talk about this? What can we agree on together that will work for both of us? In other words, negotiate, talk about the problem if it's one that needs to be talked about. Evaluate. And then the last thing, of course, is extend grace and love. If you're putting the other person before yourself, that's going to go a long, long way. It's going to go a long way if you can put yourself before the other person. And then if both of you are doing that, you'll never come to a decision. No, I'm just being silly there. If both of you extend grace and love, it'll work. You can work out whether the expectation is real or not. Whether you've really got your head in the clouds and are expecting something that's not there. And it's good if, if you were like, 
myself and Jenny when I expected something and I didn't realise I was expecting it. Be like Jenny and say it with love. Look, I can't be what you want me to be. It's just not me. That's not me. You're you and I'm me. Let's be, let us be ourselves with one another. As I said, I don't know if any of you have this problem. But I'll bet that some of you, all of us, at some stage in different situations, we do expect other people to do things that is not right for them. And we need to discuss it, talk about it, talk about it with love. And if you can't negotiate a solution, you're going to have to agree to disagree and accept one another as they are because you can still love them even if you can't agree with them. So let, let's pray. Father, you know each of us individually. You know our needs and our wants. Father, help us to extend grace and love and mercy to one another. Help us to be bold enough to speak when we need to speak and be strong enough to be quiet when we need to be quiet. Lord, move in our hearts and our minds and our spirits that we would hear your holy voice and respond accordingly with love. We ask this, Father, in the name of Jesus.